ask yourself, are you freaking good at money? Like what's the relationship that you have with money? Where did it come from? A lot of times you would have learned about money from your parents or from whoever raised you. And just ask yourself, like, what's my relationship? Is it good? And can I continue this way and live the life that I want to live? Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I am Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward Copeland in the house with a place to be. I don't know why I feel like rapping. Do you Probably even have skills? Can people see that? Oh my so God. Okay, here's my what in the world. <laughs> <laughs> we, I was in downtown LA the other day with a friend right. And I asked Eddie, do you need anything? And he said, yeah, I need a gold chain. And I was like, a gold (laughs) chain? Who do you think you are? Alex Toussaint from Peloton, right? If you guys don't have a Peloton, but Alex Toussaint's our favorite instructor and he rides and his chain is always like rocking back and forth, right? It is hypnotizing. And it is, but you know, he's a bike instructor and you are a professional I he's don't a know. professional he is absolutely a professional he, he's an athlete the point right? is is you told Coach? me when i was with marcella i want a gold chain and i was like what do you want like an alex Toussaint gold chain and you were like nah i'm just kidding so that was it it stopped there it was dead you didn't say anything else we have a we have Dang. a jeweler that we've been going to for 18 years i've been going to them for probably 20 And so I could have easily went by, right? But, you know, you said no. So that was the end of it. It was dead. So then we went in the previous episode, we told you guys we went and spent the weekend in Las Vegas with some friends. And Chris Hart, he sent a video saying he was excited to see us. And you were like, see, honey, Chris Hart has a gold chain. And Chris Hart's response was, every successful man needs a short gold chain, right? That's that's the style. And he goes, yeah, but my wife won't let me shine bright. My wife is trying to (laughs) dim my light. My wife, this and that. And I was so so offended. I was like, first of all, so then Chris came for me, though, and he was like, oh, Janelle, that's so messed up. You know, why won't you let Eddie live his life? This and that. And I was like, first of all, my shine, this literally. is like the first time I'm actually really understanding that my husband wants a gold chain like it's the 90s. Right. And so. And we love the 90s. Right? And I was like, wait, is this real? And so he proceeds to basically like blame it on me that I'm dimming his shine because can, I won't can, let can him I just get. Say no, you cannot. Yeah. So, second. anyways, we went. We spent, you know, the weekend in Vegas, and the whole time Chris Hart was His talking about Eddie didn't have a chain <laughs> and this and that, and I was like, "This is ridiculous. I can't even understand what's happening right now." So today we get back from Vegas, back from Dallas. Where do you think I went today? First thing I did, I got up ten thirty in the morning, went to our jeweler in downtown LA. And I spent four hours picking out a gold chain for my husband. And, and he's wearing the gold chain now. I want to post a picture of this. Hey, wait, 
And she has something to say because I was going to put it on the outside of my collared shirt. Yeah, that's no. That's a no. Hard no. I said, if you walk around with that on the outside of a polo shirt, I'm returning it. You won't even know it's gone. I just want the people to know that's the style right now. It's not the style. I'm just trying to make sure that I maintain the. So the girls, you know, our daughters are gassing him up like, Dad, you just need to bring back the studs in your ears. And he's like, no, I'm not a child. I have to. I got to draw a line somewhere. Okay. So the gold chain makes you feel how? It makes me feel like I don't have to take any more steps. I just glide through life now like i just d- literally it, don't understand a different swag i f- as soon as i put it on you felt i swag. felt connected to my ancestors I, what I, in the hell are you talking you don't even know who your family is what are you talking about you don't even I, know I, who I come you're from royalty you do lady. not actually i do my dad you actually you didn't even, didn't even, even know, know your dad king of new york a uh, king of inglewood uh, new york inglewood no you never knew him yeah and don't I make know. me tell you don't make <laughs> no, me tell the listeners everything that you don't but know I, but i'll tell you this damn royalty are you when, crazy when i told my wife about the gold chain i could hear in her voice the disapproval and so that is what made me back off. I was like, ah, the way you said it, uh, then, give me a gold chain. Me, I was like, like what? Like a five inch rope chain? Like, are you, do you think you're run DMC? If want, yeah. If I wanted that, you know, I mean, hustlers in my body, honey. Guys, guys, just trying to take. Do you take, hear this? Take, like you're even shine. speaking differently. But, <laughs> but no. So yes. Uh, speaking of gold chains, right? It's a thing of value that okay. holds value to a certain extent, right? And that's, I mean, it's jewelry. It's appropriate for the conversation we're going to have for today. Okay. Right. But why did you feel the need? Like, do you you feel like a million bucks now that you have I, the chain? I, I'm going to be honest with you. I feel fantastic. <laughs> I feel f- fucking amazing with a gold chain on. Did like, you I, just drop the F-bomb yeah, on I the feel, Push podcast? I, I feel like. You're like a whole new man right I, yeah, now. Yeah, I, I feel like I may slap somebody just because they got Don't a slap me because I will send you straight to jail. <laughs> straight to jail. Uh, no, but now I feel like, okay, this is me. This is like, I deserve Also, gold. it's worthy of gold. stating that you've been watching too much Snowfall and Power. So I think that it you think that you are bit. now a drug dealer. <laughs> I wonder if your regional vice president of your current career understands that you think you're a drug dealer now. Hey, you know what? <laughs> it's just hustling, you know. Y'all I, need to help so me. So I may have watched on an airplane an entire season I of Snowfall. I may have watched too much drug. Can I just tell you? You think you're Fran- Franklin sh- Saint? Yeah, those shows are fantastic. I agree right? with you. Now I got I what in the world, right? I tried to help my wife out, right? I give her like a personal development book, and it was the twenty one lessons from Ricky Ross, the you know Freeway Rick Ross, mm-hmm. right? Who is the one of the biggest drug dealers of all time. And she yeah. said, nah, I'm good. I was like, you don't understand. No, this, what this, happened this, was this. you slid me a book on the airplane because I forgot my book. And you said, here, I got a book for you. And you handed it to me. And I said, is this the drug dealer? Like, you know, and you go, yeah. I said, ah, I'm good. And you said, how do you know you're good? And I was like, what kind of question is that? I don't want to read that book. He literally said, he said, how do you know you don't want to read that book? I was like, who asks questions like this? I'm just telling you, I'm good. Thank you so much. So anyways, fast forward. You have your gold chain now. And I will say that it was an investment. Right. And I gave it to you, told you how much it was. Because I love you too. Because I wanted you to know that it's a value. I want you to take care of it. And then I said, and if you lose it in the Atlantic Ocean uh, while we're on vacation, it's coming out of your bank account too, bro. But here's here's the thing for people. 
I was raised in a household where you know, money was not an abundant thing, right? right? And so, and that's what we're talking most about. Most of the things that I had, if not all the things, I had to work for it, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it be my first Nintendo, I sold newspapers for the Daily Breeze in Inglewood, door to door. If it was my clothes in, in high school, I sold peanuts in front of Target. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, Kmart. Uh, I wish I was in front of Target. I probably right. would have sold out faster. So I have learned, and the girls have kind of know this about me, and you do too, I take care of the stuff I have, right? Mm-hmm. Like I treat it really well. I don't leave stuff in the living room. So if I have a, a new iPad, that comes with me on my bedside so I can keep an eye on it. <laughs> You're also very greedy with your stuff. Greedy's not the right word. I'm stingy. Uh, I'm not, no, that's not right. Word. Protective. Protective. I am like, I, this is mine. Scarcity mindset. no. I just want to take care. I don't like when things happen that should not have happened. When okay. people like break stuff that I give them. So all that to be said, like I will treat this like all the other things I have with great care, with understanding, like I will take care of it. It will not leave my neck. The thing that was funny to me was I told you how much it cost and you got really sentimental and you said, I've never had anything this nice. Right. And so I want people to understand that that's the point of this conversation. It's not about a stupid gold chain. It's about like when you are able to purchase something nice for yourself, it sits different. Right. It hits you different. Right. Right. And we haven't been privileged like that. Right. Up until maybe this point. Right. Because we've really, really worked hard to get our finances in order. We've worked hard to repair our credit. And so this past weekend, I told you we went to Las Vegas. We got invited by some friends. We saw the Usher concert, went and ate at some nice restaurants. And, you know, we're at a point now where we can afford things that we could not. And we were chatting with some friends when we were in Las Vegas about our very first wedding anniversary. And we went to Las Vegas. We barely had any money. Barely, yeah. I mean, barely, right? I think I may have had a credit card with like $300. Right. Of, and of so we went <laughs> to, he booked us a room with some coupon or I don't even know how we wound up staying at the Wynn Hotel. It was brand new. Yeah. And we went to this dinner and it was the most expensive dinner we've ever had in our lives. And we knew it was going to be expensive. And we were also like low key sweating in our seats because we didn't know how much it was going to be because there were no price tags on anything Mm -hmm. or prices on the menu. And we happened to go during Valentine's Day and they had like a chef kind of menu and it was this fancy thing. And with every course, which there were seven courses with every course, they served a a wine Wine pairing and we were just kind of like drinking it like okay how are we going to pay for this that's how yeah. badly like we didn't we have were the like money giggling to ourselves saying oh my god and we were I- too embarrassed to <laughs> ask the waiter like hey how much is this actually going to cost because we don't know if we can afford it right right can i just pause sure when you're in places like that where we definitely feel- did not belong right or you, fit you, in. you feel like you don't and i'll say you feel like you don't belong mm-hmm. you feel like it's too high high society for uh-huh. you for whatever reason, why do you think the employees are a part of that? Like you don't think, <laughs> like you think the employees are part of the high the high society, right? When in fact they are probably you know just as broke as you oh, are. Oh yeah, because he's a server, right? And so you like that's the person you probably want to come to and say, bro, how, how much is this? Right. Well, right? at some but, point we did because legit, you guys, we were starting to feel a little buzzed, and we were just like drinking our problems away because we right. legit did not know how we were going to pay for that, right. and so. 
I want to say we might have paid for it with two credit cards because the bill came out. It was about $700. We didn't pay with two credit cards, but we found a way. Okay, well... Yeah. It was like, we're going to give him this card and there's a really good chance for that. Meal. Right. There's a really good chance that he's going to come back and say that it was declined. Right. <laughs> and so the thing is, is like we were young parents. We had three children. We were, you know, just and it, we had a mortgage that was yeah. $5,000. We we were like home broke. You know, we had a nice home, right. but we were just barely making it by. Right. And I remember when I booked it. I was thinking to myself, okay, I want to do something really nice for my wife. And in fact, if you remember, it wasn't for our anniversary. It was for Valentine's Day. Because we didn't celebrate our anniversary. Right, because our anniversary kind of was just like- January. Yeah, it was in January Mm -hmm. and we didn't really do anything. Mm -hmm. And it probably was financially we didn't do anything, right? Absolutely. And so I found like this coupon and Mm -hmm. I found like, I was like, oh my God, this is the win. It was a panoramic room. Mm -hmm. So I was like, this will be amazing. Mm -hmm. And this was at a time, quite honestly, in our marriage where I was constantly trying to like, like impress you. Like I was Mm -hmm. trying, like I was trying to like even overextend myself to, you know, treat my wife nice. Right. And this was at a point in our marriage where quite honestly, I was like, we're going to be divorced within two years because- He's spending our money on stuff that we can't afford. Right. So there was a lot of anxiety between both of us. Like, you're trying to make me happy, but I see the bank balances. And I was just like, what are you doing? So it was causing more anger than it was appreciation. So we were at a really bad place. And this is like year one, Right. Right. And so those first few years were really rocky financially. Mm -hmm. And then I think it got worse because we started to make more money, but our expenses started to increase because we had a really poor mindset around money. We both grew up with, you know, less than we both grew up with scarcity and, you know, just a terrible money mindset. And so we were the type of people that when we, did come into some money, it was like, well, we deserve to be able to take a vacation. You know, our kids, they deserve to be able to go to gymnastics or whatever. So the moment we would make more money, we would spend it because we were like, we deserve this. Yeah. And it was so poor. Oh, yeah. And we and we also went into thinking, well, credit cards are spending power. Right. Right. And so because I had perfect yeah, credit you at have the time. Credit, you have money. Right. Right. And so you would, you know, and so what we found ourselves in, it was a tremendous amount of credit card debt, mm-hmm. a tremendous amount. In fact, we charged our wedding rings. Right. We charged our wedding. Everything. We charged our honeymoon. And then, then we got to a place where like we had maxed out even our high paying job. So you know, we're making over six figures between the both of mm-hmm. us. And now we have monthly bills that exceeded that. Right. Right. And so we're constantly moving. When you get to a place when you're trying to move bills around from mm-hmm. a standpoint like, oh, I could be a little late for this. So then when I get paid, I can pay for it. And before you know it, at, at some point, the shit will hit the fan. Right. And then in 2009, when, you know, the economy <laughs> crashed and we were part of that, mm-hmm. We lost our jobs. All these things happened. And that's when it just all came to a forefront. And it was almost like a blessing because if the economy didn't crash and we didn't lose our jobs, I don't know how long we would have been trying to maneuver money. Mm -hmm. And I built up this this shame of like, it's my responsibility to take care Mm -hmm. of this and I have to find a way to do it. 
And so every time that I did not have any solutions, I wouldn't tell her I didn't have any solutions. I would just try to find a way to move more money around, right? right. And so that over time, you build up this like, and then every time we would talk about money, it would trigger me because mm-hmm. I was being, I was in shame, right? And so like and I, I said in the it- first push podcast, like, you know, I didn't get to a place of being vulnerable and turning to her and saying, hey, I don't know how to do this, mm-hmm. right? And I don't know how to make, you know, this go away or improve right. it. And it was to the point where, like, I would come home and if the gardener was here, he'd be like, hey, um, you're three months behind on your gardening bill. And I would literally see red and this rage would come over me and immediately I would be angry with you. Mm -hmm. Like, why did we go to dinner, you know, twice last week when the freaking gardener hasn't been paid in three months? And then you'd tell me something like, oh, I haven't seen him. Well, you don't know his address. You Mm -hmm. don't know that this bill comes every month. Like, it would just cause so much frustration and like so many arguments. And so I say all this to let you know that. Now I pay the guard three months and I hit. To let you know that today we're going to be talking to you about money and some of the struggles that we've had. And we're going to give you five tips, well, six tips that will help you hopefully have a better relationship with money so that, you know, if you want to buy a gold chain or take your wife to dinner right. or do something, you can do it with ease and not have this financial burden because it has it plagued our marriage for many, many years And what happened was when we lost our jobs in 2009, so all of the income went away. And then it was almost like I felt like the rug was pulled from under us. Mm -hmm. We were going to lose our house. We lost a car. We had to file bankruptcy. And it was like everything was stripped down to nothing. Right. We pulled the girls out of gymnastics. We couldn't afford daycare. Like We literally went from how were we making both over $100,000 a piece to now we have nothing. Right. And so it was super humbling. And I just remember feeling like, you know, there was no way out. And how did we get ourselves here? And we put too many eggs in one basket, both working for the same company. And then I remember just trying to tell myself that God wasn't saying, no, you don't get to have a house. No, you can't have nice things. He was saying, not right now. But also, I think the stress to me, there was a relief. Right. There was a sense of like a lot of times when you think you have options and you think you have solutions and you really don't. Right. At some point, you got to just stop whatever yeah. you're doing. That was created for us. Right? So for me, though, it was never relief. No, because... but what I, what I mean by relief for me, I'm, what yeah. I'm saying is, is that it was this is the reality. Like you have to accept this. And once I had accepted, OK we've got to file bankruptcy, we've got to change our lifestyle. Then it was like this, oh, yeah, right? Because the vulnerability was created for me. Like it was like, here, you got to be vulnerable now. Mm -hmm. Now you got to walk into the bankruptcy office. You got to go file the paperwork of saying, hey, I've overextended myself. Right. Government, please let me out. Right. Right. And then when you do that, like you, that is the most you know, self-embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm not a big person that I'm not embarrassed by other people. Mm-hmm. I I'm just, I'm it's like humiliating for yourself. Yeah. You let yourself down for yeah. the certain standards as you set for yourself. So, so speaking of standards though, when I say it wasn't a relief for me, it was because I grew up in a household where my parents did have financial trouble mm. and they did file bankruptcy, not once, but twice. And I did see us overextend ourselves. And so I felt like the biggest failure because 
from the moment that I knew what credit was, I was working really hard, and this is pre-internet, right? But when I was 18, I was working really hard to make sure that I had good credit Mm -hmm. and I didn't go through that. And so from 18, I just continued to build and build and build my credit. Like I was very obsessed with my FICO score at 20 years old. And when I was 20 years old, I was making good money working for AT&T. And I remember people telling me that were older, you know, you need to invest in your 401k. So I did all of that stuff, had even bigger credit, was getting bigger lines of credit, so much to the tune of I got approved for $200,000 to buy a condo when I was like 20 or 21 by myself. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, God, do I buy a house? You know, I was making all this money. And so having good credit was very important to me. And so fast forward, we're 30 now. And, you know, we're about to lose our house. We, my credit score is completely non-existent now. I felt the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. Yeah, and that explains- Because my identity was wrapped around the fact that Yes, we were in debt, but I also had a hundred thousand dollar credit line, you yeah. know. Yeah, and 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 that's stupid. Yeah, like, and to for know me, that was, you had all this debt, but right. you're still feeling some type of way. Like I still feel superior because I have all of this credit that's available. Right. Well, the problem was I had spent the credit. Right. Right. So it's it still bad. Yeah, and I didn't know anything about a FICA score when right. I had my first credit card. I was like. They give you money, right? And then you only have to make little bitty payments back, right? And I, in that concept, that I didn't have that financial conversation with anyone about, hey, this is a credit card. This is how you use a credit card. This is what credit can lead to as far as buying a home or or, or maybe leveraging for starting a business. Like I didn't know any of that well, stuff. Well, when so- we got married, your credit was so bad. Like I was twenty six, you were twenty seven. That I qualified for our house by myself. Mm-hmm for $600,000 better than we qualified together because right. he brought me down. Yep. And that was hard, I can imagine, for your ego, but it also was upsetting to me that I was inheriting like your bad credit because it was right. such a big deal to and me, it was, right? And my credit, bad credit was like stupid stuff, like not paying a, a cell phone bill. Stupid, or like, like $19. Like, yeah, and then, and, you know, charge cards for like Robinson's make, like <laughs> dumb, $32 dumb balance. stuff. Oh, those cost so many arguments because I just remember a collections agency would like call me randomly now that I was your wife and be like, you know, Edward Copeland owes $32 to Robinson's May and he hasn't paid it for three years. And I would just pull out another credit card and just like pay the balance off. But I was so angry. Right. And so we're pulling up old wounds to explain to you that the 2021 Janelle and Eddie is very different than yeah. the 2005 Janelle it's like and Eddie. It's like a sport now to pay it off. Right. And so <laughs> so we say all of this to help you understand that if you are going through a financial crisis right now and you're feeling shame, uh, maybe you're in debt, maybe you've never had a great relationship with money, maybe you've recently filed bankruptcy, maybe you've recently lost your job, we have been through all of that and then some and, uh, over the add, past 17 you, years. And if you don't think you have enough money, like I think right. that, that, scarcity. That, that scarcity is big. Yeah. So here are the six things that we think can help you like drastically change your life around money. And number one, it starts with your money mindset. So ask yourself, like, what did your parents instill in you or teach you about money? Because for us, we realized it was when you get money, you got to spend it because you yeah. earn it, you work hard, you deserve it. So basically, go screw it off. Yeah. And it, it was like survival. Right. Right. There's only enough to make it. 
And when you make it, that's a good thing, right? right? And Tons so, of scarcity. Yeah, and so, and that's the dangerous thing when you think about like survival, right? When you think about I'm making enough to make ends meet and then there's nothing else extra, mm-hmm. right? There's no, and then you get to this place where you, even I just did it right now, where you use the language of extra. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to money, there's no such thing as extra. right? Like when and you realize that when you have a business because mm-hmm. you are taxed on extra, right? right. And when you're taxed on, on profit. And so knowing what to do with those things are important. So for me, my mindset had gone from like survival to shame because I, you know, of all the difficulties of managing money that I was trying to find an unlock for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And I remember we were at a conference and this whole idea. Thank you, Brene Brown, for um, releasing the thing. But the shame thing, I was like, I got to confront it. And so I think I went up to you and I was just say, hey, I'm not good at money Mm -hmm. and I need your help because I don't know how to do this and I need to get better at it. I'm working on it, but I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. And it was so freeing right. f- for me on that. And that fixed my mindset. And then I started looking for how do I get better at it? Yeah, right? which so, meant learn through books, right. learn so, through YouTube, right. and so ask I, questions. I picked up and I went through, we went through Dave Ramsey and I was like, yeah, it doesn't really speak to mm-hmm. me makes me feel poor, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's because he's like, you know, save everything. Right. You know, you got this pen cap, save the ink. And so, <laughs> and then I, and I'm not, I'm not knocking him, but I just, yeah. for me, it wasn't for me. But then I ran into, and I'm not plugging this person. I'm just saying what helped my mindset. Mm-hmm. I ran into Ramit Satit, mm-hmm. right? And he wrote a book called How I Will Teach You How to Be Rich. Mm-hmm. And it was something in that, that he, he made it a game. Mm-hmm. He made it like it was like, you're using your finances and you're and you're creating systems mm-hmm. and you're using it. And I was like, that speaks to me because it makes me feel active. Right. It makes me feel like I'm in some type of control. And that's what I was looking for. Right. Mm-hmm. And so whether it be his automation techniques or uh, his, you know, just advice overall, I used what was in that book. And I was like, here's what we're going to do. Right. And so a lot of things we're going to talk about as well was some of the things that I was like, okay, that's what I pulled from this. Mm -hmm. And it just unlocked my capabilities to talk about money and also put me in this place where I felt like I was doing something instead of just reacting to what we didn't have. Yeah. So I think that that's the first step is just ask yourself, are you freaking good at money? Like, What's the relationship that you have with money? Where did it come from? A lot of times you would have learned about money from your parents or from whoever raised you. And just ask yourself, like, what's my relationship? Is it good? And can I continue this way and live the life that I want to live? And then we get into number two, which is set specific goals. So I just say, you know, any book that you read, any financial book, it's going to say you got to save a thousand dollars. Right. So that should be your first thing. I mean, definitely cut out your Starbucks, cut out little things here and there that you're wasting that are frivolous. I see so many women getting, you know, not only are they getting their lashes done, they're getting their nails done. And manicures and pedicures these days are like 75 to $100 every week or two. Mm -hmm. Your lashes, I know those set you back a ton. We get our hair colored. We do so many things for beauty. But I just want to say it feels so much more freeing when you have financial freedom to be able to have money in the bank in case of an emergency than walk around with lashes. Like get some cheap lashes from Walmart, mm-hmm. put them on daily. If you can't afford a $200 lash bill for upkeep on lash extensions, like little things that we spend money on, I think that, you know, you can easily save $1,000. You will yeah. feel so rewarded once you achieve one little milestone. Yeah. 
And I think that when you have something like you're working towards something or you're, you have something to look forward to, I mean, even if it's like, I want to save this amount of money to do this thing, mm-hmm. I think is a powerful motivator and it keeps you focused. Right. Right. So and it kind of bleeds into number three, which is create a plan for your finances. So when you did, you know, get vulnerable, part of being vulnerable and fixing the shame that you have and fixing the mindset that you have and learning was you got to talk to people, talk to people who might be better at money, right? And just see what they have to say. And I remember you being a leader at your job, you had an interaction with an employee. This is someone that reported to you. And you were like, yeah, I'm working on getting better at finances. And this guy said, oh man, it's like a game. You know, you got to realize every dollar has a job. And you, I don't know, that stuck with you. And you were like, like, oh, I was like, oh my what? god, my dollars, Tell don't me have, more. my dollars don't have jobs. Right. It's, but but that was can, so can vulnerable I, of you for yeah. you to take that and say, how can I make that real in my life? And he gave you some suggestions and that became a mantra for our household. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this, like shame is one of those things that it's like a force field. It's like an illusion of a mm-hmm. force field where you're keeping you're thinking you're keeping yourself safe. Cause that's what it is. It's mm-hmm. a mechanism to keep yourself safe. But what you're also doing is you're preventing anything new to come in. Right. So I, even if I read a book about money, because I was covered in shame, nothing was penetrating mm-hmm. because my ego was like protecting myself. Right. You're not just protecting yourself from like, you know, my interactions with you, but I'm also like removing the ability to for any new information to help right. me. And so as soon as I got vulnerable, all of a sudden all these things became impactful Mm -hmm. and they became relevant. And so when that person said that, I was like, holy shit. My dollars don't have jobs. My dollars don't have jobs. If I just give them a job, then now like 10% of my check goes to this. 10%, like like you start to say, okay, this is where this is going to go. And Mm -hmm. before you know it, you have a system that you can say, oh, wow, this is actually giving me allocations. I'm actually automated. So I don't even look at it, Mm -hmm. right? And I know- this is the money I can look at. This is the money I can't look at, mm-hmm. right? And and all of a sudden you have this the system that's really starting to build wealth and freedom. But if every dollar has a job, is it true? Then there's no extra. Like you don't right. have extra employees no. just sitting around. You have like, oh, let me tell you what your job is. Your job is to go sit in the savings account. Right. Your job is to make sure that you're multiplying. So I'm going to invest you in a 401k. Your job is to make sure that you take care of the household finances. Right. Your job is to make sure that, you know, you pay for college or whatever. So think of every dollar having a job. And then two kind of tips that I want to give you for that. When I say create a plan for your finances and give every dollar a job, I have a friend. uh, His name was John Hensel. He passed away a few years ago. Him and his wife, Donna, they never made more than $40,000, $50,000 a year. But I swear to you, these people were bringing lunches to work every day. They were really frugal about the things that they spent their money on because their dollars had a job. And their dollars' jobs were to allow them a life that allowed them to live in a really beautiful home and travel all over the world. Right. And so they took lunches to work. They didn't spend tons of money on their clothes and things like that, but they paid cash for a car. Mm -hmm. And because they paid cash for a car, they didn't have to finance it and pay all this extra financing fees, right? So because they paid cash, they got a better deal because they were willing to not buy the newest vehicle, they would buy a slightly used vehicle, which was like two years old, 
they would always score and like wind up save. I, I saved $30,000 on this $50,000 car. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, right. So people like us were just like, oh, yeah, you know, you pay payments because who has $20,000? Right. John Hensel and Donna Hensel did. Right. right. And so then it was like, oh, yeah, I can't have Chick-fil-A today because I'm getting ready to go to Alaska in 60 days. And me and Donna have been looking forward to this for the last six months. And so they were always looking forward to something. Right. So that's kind of like the key takeaway that I took from them was like they didn't make much, but how did they make it work? Mm. They put themselves on a budget. Every dollar had a job. And they were always, always looking forward to something in the future that fueled them to be disciplined, right? I, I love that because even with like health, when you have a plan for how you're going to eat, like when we were competing, like there was a plan. So you didn't necessarily feel like you were depriving yourself. Right. You felt like you were working the plan, mm-hmm. right? And I think that people feel like they are depriving themselves when they don't have a plan. They're just trying to cut back. Right. They're just trying to save. And like, oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. Instead so of saying, think of it like this. I'm getting married in six months. So I'm going to say no to those hot wings because I'm about to look fly in right. my wedding dress. Right. Right? right. So he would say, mm, I'm going to say no to dinner or lunch out at Chick-fil-A because I'm about to go to Alaska right. for 12 days, you know. And so it wasn't ever a deprivation. It was always a I'm cheering myself on because I'm super pumped up about where I'm going with this versus I'm on a diet because I'm getting, you know, chubby and this and that. No, where are you trying to go? And let's let that propel you. And I think that to me, that discipline is a, is the ultimate freedom. Right. right? Because, For sure. Like freedom comes from your ability to exercise discipline mm-hmm. and not be a slave to your emotions and how you feel about things. Because when you do that, when you become a slave to your emotion, that that is the opposite. Like you think, oh, people tell me this, like even with health. When you open a refrigerator and you eat what you want because you feel like it, Mm -hmm. that's not freedom. Right. That's being slavish, right? And so even with money, when you're only spending money because of emotions, you are a slave to your emotions. You are not exercising freedom. Freedom is the ability to say, I'm not going to do that because I want to do this, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that that's powerful in having that plan. The last thing I'll say about creating a plan for your finances leads me into number four, which is the combination of three and four. So number four is learn to earn. And Mm. I want to say that creating a plan for your finances that will also help you learn to earn is contributing to the max of your 401k or employee stock purchase plans. Right. And so you need to go to your employer if you're not self-employed and you need to say, what is the absolute most that I can contribute to a 401k and what will you match? Right. Same thing with an employee stock purchase plan, because let me just tell you, like employee stock purchase plans. First of all, I started the bakery with a lot of my 401k and the employee stock purchase plan is helping us pay for our kids college. Right. Period. End of story. Part of number four, learn to earn, I want to add in parentheses, not just cut, because so many people, Mm. Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, they're going to tell you that you have to go in and just trim, right? And although there is so much frivolous spending, like I said, you know, your lashes, your nails, your Starbucks, whatever, can I just be real with you? If you spent more time figuring out how to increase your earnings versus saving $3.50 a day for freaking coffee, you're going to be way better off right. because 
If you figure out, like, I'll do the math real quick on $3.50 times 365, but I'll tell you, it's not that much. It can be a lot if you figure out how to increase your skills, increase your contribution, increase your worthiness at your job and your career. If you figure out how to take on a new skill, if you figure out how to take a class and get better at something to create some extra income, that could far surpass you saving $3.50 a day on Starbucks. Oh, yeah. And and when you become a person of value, when you work to become a person of value, like you can't be denied. And it's funny because when we have people who come over to the house and they see our, our book collection, I go, I say every 10 books we have is probably 20 to 30% increase in income, right? And it's because you take that information, you apply it to something, it gets returned with the same amount of energy you replied it. In a lot of cases, that's monetary. And I think that when people want more money, they want to get something instead of become something. Mm -hmm. And when you become something of a value, then the market responds and pays the earnings of that and pays in dividends. And I think I'll never forget, (laughs) I was coming up as a manager, I was working on my career, and and I'll never forget one of the managers I worked with, and he was he was he came from another company and so he had a, his salary was huge. I'm pretty sure he was making over, you know, 200 something thousand dollars a year. And at mm-hmm. that point in time, I was like that is an enor- that would change my life, right? Yeah. And so I'm talking to him and he bought this big Hemi truck, right? It was shiny, it was big, it was this big Dodge Hemi and he was showing it off. I swear it felt like it was like 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Man, aren't you worried about the gas?" And he said, <laughs> You think I worry about gas money? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because I was coming from a place of I count every single dollar. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, he said, I earn. He goes, you know what? The check I get from this place is my play money. Right. My money is in investments. So I make money. That's how I build my future. And so he had mastered this one step of he knew how to earn. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that we, oftentimes people get caught up in I just got to cut. I just got to cut. Yeah. I got to cut. And I understand that if you're just trying to like maintain a certain lifestyle. Right. But if you are trying to change your life, you have to earn. Right. You have to earn. And that may be a side hustle. That may be finding different things, getting a second job, all, Wait, whatever it may be. Let me just tell you, get good at the job you right. have. Or just get promoted. Yeah, exactly. Get promoted, right. So let me just give you some math. If you saved $3.50 a day times 365 days, so three fifty for a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Susie Orman tells you cut your coffee out. You would only be saving one thousand two hundred and seventy seven dollars a year. That's not that much, right? Wow. And wow. you might be real tired without your coffee. Here's the thing: if you have an average job, I mean average job, and you make thirty thousand dollars a year, if you were to just work your way up to a decent increase year over year, most companies give between a three and a seven percent increase. If you got a 5% increase on a $30,000 job, that's $1,500. Right. So you just made your coffee. But guess what? You need to do better than everybody else at your job so that way you can earn a 10% increase in your salary, which would then take you up to $33,000 a year. And now you've just figured out a way to make $3,000 extra per year. Right. So here's the kicker. If you cut the coffee out, start making coffee at home, and you work on a 10% increase, you've just got yourself uh, $4,200 extra in a year. 
Wow. That $4,200 can be put in some sort of savings account that earns you some sort of dividends that now gets multiplied, right? Well, I, that's crazy. Because think about it like this. If I said to you, your life depended on it, can you make an additional $500 in a month? Absolutely. I'm selling old jeans. I'm selling dishes. I'm selling things from my home because the reality is, is if you don't have a side hustle, if you are not running a business, you're not self-employed, you probably have a lot of time on your hands, right? So you sleep eight hours a day. You go to work eight hours a day. Let's say you commute two hours a day. You still have an extra six hours. What are you doing? Are you watching TV? If you are, start an eBay account, a Craigslist, right. a Poshmark, some sort you know of account, what I saw? sell your shit. I, I saw Gary Vaynerchuk go to a, a yard sale mm-hmm. and he basically, he was showing people how to make money, right? Mm-hmm. And so he goes to the yard sale and he finds things in the yard sale, goes, takes a picture, mm-hmm. takes it to one of those sites, basically doubles the price for it mm-hmm. and sells it. And he was make he was like, this is how if you want right. to hustle, this is how you hustle because there's always diamonds in the rough. And pe- people are trying to get rid of stuff at yard sales. Yep. So basically, he was saying you can flip your yard sale purchases, make double your money back, and that's extra income. Right. So learn to earn could be you know you're investing in books, you're watching Gary Vaynerchuk, you're listening to Dave Ramsey, Susie Orman, Ramit Sethi. Right. And we'll link all of that stuff for you in the show notes, but. Figure out how to free yourself up, say no to things that are not helping you earn and figure out how to dedicate some time to get better in your current position or in your current career or figure out how to do something as a side hustle on the side. So we're going to challenge you. Can you earn an extra five hundred to a thousand dollars a month? And I guarantee that you can. Yeah, I guarantee you could sell some old CDs, some DVDs, a sound system. I would just take it as a challenge. I just start selling stuff in my house, period. (laughs) I literally, okay, so we're getting ready to go to Greece, which is one of the things that sparked this conversation about money is because this is our dream vacation that we have spent a really long time saving up for. Right. And it's perfectly planned because our family is getting ready to be kind of cut down. It's cut short, right? So we have two kids going away to college. We wanted to create some memories for them this summer. So we have saved up to be able to go on this amazing vacation. And so we're gonna get into number five, which is the fifth tip is leverage your credit. Do you know that the Copeland household, we have just had a better uh, mindset and understanding around how to leverage credit, which has been something that has in the past got us in trouble. But now that we know exactly how much it costs us to run every aspect of our household, we can use our American Express, and they don't, they're not paying us to say this, no. but we use our American Express to pay for all of our monthly bills, and then we pay it off 100% at the end of every month. And the reason why American Express is so great is because you have to pay it off every right. month, right? So we pay it off, and in exchange, they give us a shit ton of points, right? which is paying for our trip to Greece. Yeah, and it was funny because... We didn't leverage credit before. We used credit, right? right? We used credit to just, you know, to spend more than what we actually had. Mm-hmm. But now we're like, okay, they are willing to say, we'll give you these points if you just use this card, right? right? And no so, problem. And so now we're like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically say, this is automated. We're going to, we know how much it costs. We're going to pay it off every single month. And before you knew it, 
we had you know close to four hundred thousand points, mm-hmm. and our trip to Greece only cost four hundred forty dollars. Mm-hmm. High five! And so you like those are things that you have to like really start to think about and say, hey, that's another form of saving, right? Right? Because that if we would have paid for that cash, that would have been another seven thousand dollars or whatever right. it was was for for airline. You're tickets. talking about just airfare, just so we're right? clear, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Just so we're clear. But, um, you know, leveraging your credit. So an example of this would be if you are a small business owner and you went through the pandemic, the government offered a PPP loan, right? right? And I had so many people in our community saying, no, I rebuke that. I don't want money from the government. I don't want to have to pay that back. It's, you know, 2%. And I was like, do you know how little 2% is? I'm about to take that money for the cake mamas and use that money to make a shit ton of money. And then I'll be happy to let it rain to the government back with 2% interest, right? Right. So that is wrapping your mind around figuring out how to leverage your credit versus looking at debt. Yeah, And And that's a fine line though, I do wanna put it out there because if you don't have the money, then definitely don't put all of your household expenses on your American Express. Right. And, you know, this was something that was kind of new to me. A friend of mine said, you know, they were talking about loans and stuff like that. And he was like, if it's a 1% interest, that's like cheap money. Right. Use that money before you use your own money. Right. But so, make more money to right. pay it and back. And so his, his thought process, which I thought was fantastic, was like, if you gave me, he said this, if you gave me $50,000 and you only charged me 1%, I know I can turn that $50,000 into, let's just say, $70,000, mm-hmm. and now I'm winning. Right. Right? Because now I'm looking at a profit of $20,000 minus the 1%. Right. And so, so that it does made not me think like, oh, wow, this is how- market. No, <laughs> this is, but this is how people with wealth understand credit, and they're always looking for credit. If you watch any large organization, they don't use cash to expand. Mm -hmm. They use credit because they know they're going to make more than what the interest is in the returns. And so if I have a credit line of 5% or 9%, let's say I go a little bit high, but my expected returns on this investment is 22, 25%, Mm -hmm. I know I'm making a good seven, eight, ten percent in return above the actual interest rate. Right. So now I'm winning. Right. Right. But that mindset is a shift because you have to have like back to number, I think it was number three you had, you have to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And that plan has to be, okay, this is what we're gonna do to actually increase revenue so Which that is we can take for advantage. Or learn of, to earn. Right. 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 So, so they that, all kind of go hand in hand. Right. Yeah. And then lastly, I'll just tell you, start your kids off early. you got to have the conversations about money that you wish would have been had with you. For us, we, you know, started Jasmine's credit when she was 18. We signed her up for a credit card. Well, we put her on our credit card so that she was building credit and didn't even know about it. Now, that could be real shady because in the hood, (laughs) you know, that works in a different way. Y'all got like... Uh, cell phone bills and water bills under your kids' names. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying set them up to win. And so, you know, lastly, in closing, because we use our American Express so much, we are platinum American Express cardholders. And we were traveling this weekend, went into the American Express lounge, which is something we haven't been taking advantage of. And I'll just tell you, it's a whole nother world. (laughs) And so we walk in, it's a very bougie lounge. It's very... 
it is privilege. And coming from the 2005 Janelle and Eddie that used to not know what we were doing with our money, right? spend it just in a way that just did not serve us, right? Going from there to being able to walk in to this American Express Platinum Cardholder Lounge, to you it might sound bougie, to us it felt like an accomplishment. Yeah. And I was really humbled by it. And so we walked in with Jordan, our 16-year-old, and she whispers, she goes, Mom, this is bougie. And I was like, I know. And she goes, it also oddly smells like very sanitized, kind of like Axe. Uh, what is it? The Axe body, body spray? spray. I said, no, it doesn't smell like Axe body spray. It smells very much like success and good credit. So get used to it and get on this level. And I thought it was just a yeah. beautiful moment because part of creating wealth and part of you know having financial freedom for us means educating our kids and showing them what good credit and what wealth can give you, right? Mm -hmm. It gives you opportunities, right? Right. And so here we are in this lounge and I was like, you need to make sure that you're paying attention to your credit so that way you can be surrounded by things like this because we earned the right to be in here. This is not a privilege that's like given to you. We earned the right to have good credit and it just made me emotional knowing how in the beginning of the episode I talked about how important good credit was. And I just felt like, God, we finally did something right. Yeah. And I felt like we So there's your gold chain. I paid for that with American Express. I'm going to pay that shit off at the end of the month. (laughs) But I I felt, yeah, we belong there. And And you belong there too. Yeah. And that's the big thing is, is like understanding that you belong there you may have to get your mindset right. Mm-hmm. You may have to get it. And, and here, let me get you something straight. The folks that were in that centurium room, I keep saying it. Centurium. Uh, they were working. Right. They were earning. They were not chilling they with sunglasses just, yeah, on, they weren't on just the like, phone. No, people had their computers out. Yeah. They, and so there you were can business tell, deals being made. You, and I was watching this lady. She was a lawyer. She was talking about her case. And you can tell. People got that not just because they wanted to chill on their layover, right. but they're like, I got to keep working. Right. And I don't want to, I want to work at a table at a desk. There was mm-hmm. a boardroom in there. There yep. was like, and so. Booths where right. you can have private conversations. There's free alcohol. There's massages. Yeah. There's it's like everything that you need, you know, to, to be re- comfortable, re-energize. recharge and work right. while you're traveling. And so we'll leave you with that. I hope that this episode served you. If you got anything out of this money episode, we were really transparent in this. We had some major money issues. And I hope that us sharing, you know, our experiences has helped you maybe have some conversations that your parents didn't have with you or the people that raised you didn't have with you because we know that we didn't have these and they would have been very beneficial to us. So, yeah, continue to push through. Please take two seconds to leave a review. Rate the podcast. Let us know what you got from this and what you're going to do to take action with your money going forward, starting now. I love it. Push through, guys. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.